Hello, church. This is Pastor Zach, and this is our first teaching in our new series, Margin and Mission, as we start 2017. A few weeks ago, I told you guys about my junior high obsession with the Arnold Schwarzenegger bodybuilding encyclopedia. Super embarrassing story to tell to a lot of people, but I have good news. One of y'all sent me an email saying that you too have a love for that book, so I'm not alone. Now, as funny as that story is, one of the things I learned from that book was that to really build muscle, it was a combination of hard work, good nutrition, and surprisingly to me, rest. In fact, the book stressed the significant role rest played in building strength and that more training was not always better training. Well, of course, I didn't really take that part very seriously. I did take the training and the nutrition part to heart. And over time, the hard work plus little rest led mainly to plateaus, burnout, and even injuries. As we read through the scriptures, the Bible gives a similar counsel about rest. That it is not an afterthought or something to be disdained, but it's to be prioritized. It's to be honored. It's to be cultivated in our lives. That God, in His goodness and His wisdom, has built limits into our lives. And learning to embrace those limits is part of living both fruitfully and faithfully in our discipleship to Jesus. At the same time, embracing these limits and learning to live with margin, honestly, is really tough. I am a type A personality. I've always got a new goal or a new challenge that I'm wanting to work on and want to get going yesterday on it. So when we talk about rest, it's just, it's tough for me. But even more than a personality kind of profile, which some of you may connect with that type A, you know, let's go personality. Some of you may not, but more than a personality deal, it's actually a real problem in our generation. In his book, Richard Swinson, uh, Dr. Richard Swinson, in his book called Margin, he writes about the effects of marginless living or the lack of rest that we experience. He says this, how often do I see the effects of marginless living? It's about every 15 minutes. Into my office on a regular basis come a steady parade of exhausted, hurting people. The reason these patients come to me, however, is not to discuss their lack of margin. They don't even know what margin is. Instead, they come because of pain. Most don't realize that the pain and the absence of margin are related. That our age might be described as painful comes as a discomforting surprise when we consider the many advantages we have over previous generations. But progress has given us unprecedented affluence, education, technology, and entertainment. We have comforts and conveniences other eras could only dream about. Yet somehow, we're not flourishing under the gifts of modernity as one would expect. Something has gone wrong. Swenson says, if you know what pain wounds look like, you'll see them on all your friends. Why? Because we find ourselves in the midst of an unnamed epidemic, the disease of marginless living. It's insidious, it's widespread, and it's virulent. As I read that quote, I'm sure you can relate. At the same time, 
as we turn to the pages of the Scripture and we look at who Jesus is and what He's doing, what we see is God working with His people and teaching them to rest. Perhaps one of my favorite scriptures on this is Matthew 11. And I'm going to read to you from the message translation, Matthew 11, 28, the words of Jesus. He says this, Are you tired? Are you worn out? Burn out on religion? Come to me. Get away with me and you'll recover your life. I'll show you how to take a real rest. Walk with me. Work with me. Watch how I do it. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. Keep company with me, and you'll learn to live freely and lightly. This is good news to a tired, worn-out people, people like you and me. Jesus is saying that part of being a disciple, part of following him, is learning to rest learning to embrace the gift of rest, learning to embrace limits and to live with margin, and that He will teach us how to do just that. Over the next four weeks, we're going to be learning from Jesus through His Scriptures on rest, on embracing margin in some key areas of our lives, in physical rest, in our priorities, in our finances, and in our emotions. And as we embrace margin, we're also going to find that rather than making us less fruitful and less faithful in the mission God's called us to, it's actually going to help us to be more fruitful and more faithful to the things that God has for us. In today's teaching, we're going to focus on embracing margin in our physical rest. It's just fitting that this goes with our Sabbath Sunday as a church. I have with me two members of our pastoral leadership team, Joe Paulino and Savannah Reynolds, And today, we're going to talk to you together about rest. So if you'll turn in your Bibles to Genesis chapter 2, verse 1, what we see here in the opening pages of Scripture is honestly something very surprising. I'm going to read it to you. The Scripture says, Thus the heavens and the earth were finished, and all the host of them. And on the seventh day, God finished His work that He had done, and He rested on the seventh day, from all his work that he had done. So God blessed the seventh day and made it holy, because on it God rested from all his work that he had done in creation. Now, did you see that? The surprising thing is that we see that God is resting. Now, we know that God does not grow tired or weary like we do, so this resting was not because God was somehow exhausted But nevertheless, he's resting. And you get the sense as you read these pages of Scripture that God's rest here was a rest of satisfaction, a rest of pleasure at the work that he had done. And it just so happens that this was also mankind's first day. Scripture tells us that God created mankind on the sixth day of creation. And whether you take that literally or not, it's profound to think that God saw fit for mankind to start on their first day, to start life with rest. And from that place of resting, then they were to go forward in the work that he had given them to do. Now, this is opposite of how so many of us live. You see, we work, 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 and then we rest when we're about to crash. And for many of us, the reason for that 
is that we find our worth in our work. We find our worth in our doing. Now, our work and our doing are very important, but they are not to be the source of our worth and identity. Here in the scripture, mankind starts out imitating God, living out our calling as image bearers, made in the image of God, imago Dei, and they're doing that by resting. So what we see here is that mankind, that you and I, that we have a value, we have a significance, we have a worth that's not limited to what we can produce, that's not limited to our work, but is deeper and longer lasting than that. Here in the beginning, mankind worked from the place of rest rather than how we do it today, resting from our work. But how could they start out this way? They had to know that they had a provider. That the same God who provided the world for them would continually to gracious would continue to generously provide. They had to know that they had a sustainer, that the God who made them was sustaining all the living things around them and would sustain them too. They had to know that they had a rock-solid identity, that they were made in the image of God. They were in deep relationship with God, and with those things in place, with that realization, they didn't have to live in fear. They didn't have to live in insecurity. They didn't have to live in the anxiety of tomorrow. They may not have been able to predict the future, but they knew who God was and who He had been to them, and so they could look forward with trust. They could rest. And then out of rest, they could embrace uh, they could work in the mission that God had called them to. When mankind rebelled against God, which Genesis uh, chronicles in the next couple chapters, the ability to work from rest quickly disappears. Rather than finding their value and significance through being made in the image of God, they begin to seek to establish themselves and their worth and their happiness through building their own lives, chasing ever-elusive dreams. For some, it was building a city. For others, it was acquiring land. For others, it was the approval of their neighbors, the affections of a lover, or even their own unyielding cravings for pleasure or vengeance. As we turn through the pages of the old, as we turn through the pages of Genesis, we come to the second book in the Bible, and this is really important for our discussion on rest. We come to Exodus. In Exodus, we see the story of God delivering and redeeming his people from slavery in Egypt. And as a part of this redemption, we see God instituting, building into the system, a ritual for his people that both points back to the world before mankind's rebellion and as a shadow, a whisper, a foreshadowing, pointing to the true and better redemption that was to come in Jesus. Awesome. So good, Pastor Zach. Thank you for that. Um, So good to be reminded how the ritual of rest points to God being our creator and example for resting, especially as we as a church are entering into a new year together. Uh, So church, what I want to talk to you about is how the ritual of rest or the Sabbath day, as it's called um, in the passage we're going to look at, benefits us by remembering God as our source of salvation, uh, that our trust in Him to save and what we cannot do, our hope and our foundation in the midst of our busy lives is rooted in Him, and when we rest, that's what we remember. 
So like Zach said, the second book of the Bible uh, is the book called Exodus, which means uh, a mass exit of people or departure. Uh, And it describes how God delivered the people of Israel from slavery in Egypt. A passage in another book uh, called Deuteronomy, in Deuteronomy chapter 5, verses 12 through 15, it summarizes this part of rest and how it played into the exodus of God's people um, and what it means for us today. So I'm going to read Deuteronomy 5, 12 through 15, um, as we continue to learn about this ritual of rest. It says, Observe the Sabbath day to keep it holy, as the Lord your God commanded you. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work, you or your son or your daughter or your male servant or female servant or your ox or your donkey or any of your livestock or the sojourner who is within your gates, that your male servant and your female servant may rest as well as you. You shall remember that you were a slave in the land of Egypt, and the Lord your God brought you out from there with a mighty hand and an outstretched arm. Therefore, the Lord your God commanded you to keep the Sabbath day. Wow. Okay, so what is this passage saying? God's giving them the command to keep the Sabbath day as holy and to dedicate it to him. In fact, this command, uh, this command is for their good. In fact, this command is one of ten commandments that he's giving them in this part of Scripture. Um, and it's, it's, it's supposed to be a life-giving distinctive of the people of God. So as they keep the Sabbath day, um, that this uh, command of, of how to practically keep this day of rest. Now, he could have ended it there and just said, you need to keep the Sabbath day. But instead, he gives them uh, the why behind the what of the commandment. Um, so a picture I was thinking of was if you're, you know, for all my parents out there, uh, you know that sometimes when your child asks the why question right after you've told them to do something, uh, the best answer can often be because I said so. In other words, I don't need to explain to you right now why I just told you to do what I told you to do. You just need to trust me. Uh, you also know there are opportunities to have teachable moments, times that you do unpack the why so that they can understand the reason behind the instruction, um, that it is for their good and not just some you know, power move or something like that. So here, here's what, this is what God is doing with the people of Israel. God is having a teachable moment with his children. Why? Because in verse 15, if we read it again, it says, the reason we keep the Sabbath or one of the motivations to rest is you shall remember that you were a slave in the land of Egypt and the Lord your God brought you out from there with a mighty hand and outstretched arm. So when they rested, they were to remember that at one time they were slaves, but now they are free because of God's deliverance. Uh, and for us, it's the same thing with us. It's, it's pointing towards um, a greater exodus that's going to happen later with Jesus. Uh, the Israelites exited from Egypt, um, and, and Jesus was going to come for all mankind to leave and exit bondage to sin and death. Okay, so just as the Israelites uh, could not save themselves from the hands of the Egyptians... We, ourselves, could not save ourselves from the effects of sin in our own lives by our own power. And this is highlighted by, uh, in, in Romans chapter 3, verses 23 through 24, in the New Living Translation, it says, For everyone has sinned. We all fall short of the, God's glorious standard. Yet God, in his grace, freely makes us right in his sight. He did this through Jesus, through, through Jesus Christ when he freed us from the penalty of our sins. 
Wow. So for us, when, when we rest, it can be a time to remember the gospel. How has Christ overcome what you could not, what I could not overcome? Remembering that even with all of our work and effort, we cannot save ourselves, and so we can be thankful in that. Uh, and I don't know about you, but, um, but I often struggle to rest uh, or, uh, from being consumed with anxiety or insecurity or whatnot, um, or all the things that I have to get done. Maybe you too can wrestle with these things. In fact, we can all obsess about trying to prove who we are um, and, and trying to earn our significance through different things. But when we rest, uh, God in teaching us to rest points to the reason why we can rest and rest well. Um, that God had been to Israel their past deliverer, provider, and sustainer who would give them confidence uh, for the present and hope for the future, that Jesus does the same thing for us through the cross and his resurrection, that in Christ we are no longer slaves, but now we are sons and daughters. Thanks, Joe. That's so rich. It's just amazing to see how God's redemption brings us to really be able to embrace rest. With that as a foundation, Savannah Reynolds is going to help us bring some practical application to the rhythms and rituals and our apprenticeship to Jesus so that we can practice the rest that God has for us. Thanks, Pastor Zach. Um, as we close this message, I want to give a couple of practicals. From what we have heard, it is easy to see that rest is a good thing, but in our fast-paced society, it can, be, it can be easier said than done. So how do we as followers of Jesus build rest into our schedules? Well, when I was in college and really hungry to know more about God, I started diving into God's word for my own and came across scriptures like Pastor Zach and Joe talked about. I saw that God rested on the seventh day and that I should keep the Sabbath day holy and that rest is something that God values and urges us to value. Those scriptures convinced me that rest was good and right and they inspired me to try this whole Sabbath thing out for myself. So it was time, time to learn to Sabbath. When the day arrived, I was really excited and had high hopes for what would happen. I had cleared my schedule, put my phone on silent, and was ready to spend extended time with God in reading the word and praying. Well, confession. A couple of hours in, I couldn't wait for my Sabbath to be over. I was bored, wanted to do something active, wanted to see some people, and had a billion to-dos running through my mind. I hadn't left my apartment, let alone barely moved from my couch. The only time I did get up, I did the dishes and then felt really guilty because I shouldn't do work on the Sabbath day. So by the end of the day, I was exhausted and frustrated. Overall, it was a very non-restful experience. But as I look back, I see that I missed the point. See, I had imagined the Sabbath as a bunch of rules to follow. Don't do any work. Don't do anything that's not super spiritual, and don't worry about all the things you aren't doing. Well, this scripture has set me free. It's from Matthew 12, verses 1 through 8, and it's the story of Jesus and his disciples walking through the grain fields on the Sabbath. The disciples were hungry, so they began to eat some of the grain, and the Pharisees see them and say that it's not lawful for them to do that on the Sabbath. Jesus ends up rebuking the Pharisees, saying, The Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. So the Son of Man is Lord even of the Sabbath. That's amazing. Jesus is saying that the Sabbath isn't a list of rules to follow. 
Its purpose is not to confine me, but instead it is a gift and meant to bless me. As I have grown in my understanding of what Jesus calls us to when it comes to rest and Sabbath, Sabbath rest has become something I look forward to and something that puts fuel in my tank for the days ahead. I want to share with you a couple of tips that I've picked up along the way. First of all, find out what is restful for you. Everyone is different. I am more introverted than extroverted, so rest for me looks like getting to stay home and getting some alone time. But I have friends that would die if they had to be alone for an extended amount of time. They are refreshed when they're around people, and both are from God. So what brings you refreshment? A good way to find out what will truly be restful is to ask the Lord. Take some time to pray and ask him, You know me best, God. What would be the best way for me to rest today or this week or this month? You may be surprised. Maybe that Netflix binge that you were planning on is not what he thinks will truly be restful. Sad, I know. I've done that too. I love some Netflix. But maybe instead he'll encourage you to go to a park, spend time with a friend, or do a hobby that you haven't had time for in a while. The best part is that he knows exactly what you need. Next, create consistent rhythms of rest. We need rest on a regular basis. What consistent rhythms do you need to commit to in order to carve out time for rest? For me, I will naturally fill my schedule, and at the end of the week, I'll be complaining to, complaining to my husband about how tired I am. Well, when I reflect on my week, I wasn't diligent to take time to rest, so it makes sense. What do you need to say no to? What do you need to plan for in order to assure you get rest? Now, I wanted to address the parents out there because you may be saying, I would love to Sabbath. How in the world do I do that with kids? Well, I'm not the expert because I'm not a parent yet, but I'm sure someday I'll feel your pain. You may need to get a bit more creative. Do you have a consistent babysitter you could call? A regular date night? Maybe you and your spouse can switch off watching the kids to give each other a little free time. Or you can spend time doing things that are refreshing once the kids go down. Whether you're a parent or not, for most of us, busyness is our natural bent. So taking time to plan ahead will enable you to set aside that oh-so-elusive time to rest. One thing with this to keep in mind is that sometimes our best laid plans don't work out. Maybe one of your children ends up getting sick or something comes up at work that interferes with your plans. It's okay. There's grace for you. Don't feel guilty if the rest you plan falls through. Find rest in God as you do what you need to do because he is in all things. Lastly, I want to encourage you to connect with God. A fail-proof way to find rest is to connect with him. You will never regret spending time with God and inviting him into your rest. Spend some time praying, read the word, be thankful, re reflect on his faithfulness, and abide with him as you do your restful activities. Psalm 62.1 says, Truly my soul finds rest in God. My salvation comes from him. And in this psalm, we see that true rest is found in God. So let me encourage you today that if you are in Christ, your soul has found its true rest. If even your life seems overwhelmingly busy, Christ has made a way for you to forever be at peace. The beauty of the gospel is that we no longer have to work to make ourselves acceptable to God. Jesus did all the work for us. He paid the highest price on the cross. Hebrews 4 verse 9 says, So then there remains a Sabbath rest for the people of God. For whoever has entered God's rest has also, entered, has also rested from his works as God did from his. May your heart be at rest as you enter this new year. May you be amazed by his love and grace for you 
and the forever rest that has been provided in Christ. Man, I love this message. So inspiring to me as we start the year to begin the year thinking about margin, subtraction, rest. So I just want to thank you for your attention. I want to thank you for taking time to listen to this teaching. And I really want to encourage you to apply this to your lives. It's a great time at the beginning of the year to set some some rhythms, some rituals in places. You're a disciple of Jesus following his way to set some rhythms for rest. Next week, we're going to be talking about embracing margin in our priorities. So this will fit, next week will fit together with this week. But until then, enjoy some rest.